0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the
1: corner, gets up center! Perry! Score! Corey Perry! Able to take away from
0: Salani It's skip away to Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Postgame Show. It's Eddie and Pat on the mics tonight to talk about the Ducks 3 2 loss to the St. Louis Blues. It's uh, tied for the second longest streak in uh, Ducks history, no, Ed? Something yeah. like that?
1: Quietly, um, they kind of go about putting together the second worst <laughs> losing streak in franchise history, ties to two other times that they did that. And for anybody wondering, the longest losing streak in franchise history is twelve games. I think that was twenty eighteen. I'm pretty sure that we we covered that right in the first uh, first inaugural season of this podcast.
0: Of course, we did. Yeah. What of a year to start!
1: What <laughs> What a year to start a uh, post game show podcast a twelve game losing streak.
0: We're probably we're probably the curse. I think we started the podcast at that time, um, and then the Ducks decided to have that epic horrible season. And then have continued to have their slide. So I think we should take the hit for that. We'll we'll be the ones to say we're the reason why. I think I'm good with that one. I I don't know if I'm good with that one. I don't want want that
1: on me. (laughs) I don't want it on my conscience to feel like. We'll blame
0: Jason then. We'll just say Jason is.
1: Oh, we'll do what we always do. We'll blame Steven. Even Steven, yeah.
0: yeah. Even it's though, a, yeah, but, but we knew Steven was coming just yeah. subconsciously. And so the Ducks just decided to not play well. <laughs> but, uh, dude, tonight, Zegers with his first point as a Duck, in a, you know, wasn't the prettiest. Raquel gets on the board. He's got some points. In the past few games, come toi again. There's some positives again. This is another night where positives are being able to be pulled out from such a terrible season which is just the beauty of it.
1: I feel like that's why it doesn't feel like an eight-game losing streak, right? Because we had last game where Isaac Lindstrom scored a hat-trick. We have Zegers making his debut and playing in five of these eight games. You know, you have Maxim Comtois leading the Ducks in goal scoring. You have Max Jones scoring back-to-back power play goals in, in two separate games, right? Like, you've got the kid stepping up. Josh Maher comes into the lineup, right? Like, whereas previous losing streaks... You don't really have any positives to draw on. There isn't, really isn't anything going on. And, and, yeah, it still feels like an eight-game losing streak, as Daniel puts in the chat. But there are at least some little things we can point to. Like you said, Trevor Zegers' first NHL point comes in, like, the final seconds of this game and means absolutely nothing. But it's a feel-good moment.
0: Oh, yeah, mean I mean, you want to have finally get that pass, right? I mean, he nearly scored a goal, a goal earlier in the game. But uh, was just at the side of the net, um, and I got a comment on the chat. Everyone's talking about your uh, your lavish new place you're in. <laughs> it's I can't tell if you're at a strip club or if you're you got something like some UFO stuff going on, but it's very nice. Gotta go with the purple lighting, man. It's on theme. <laughs> <laughs> it's Everyone's a... talking about Eddie's not in a cave. Where is Eddie? Eddie's somewhere nice.
1: <laughs> this is permanent now too, so it's no. It's not like I'm gonna be in a cave next time. So we have finally upgraded out of the cave after two and or after three years of doing this podcast.
0: <laughs> Someone in chat said I look like Goro. I don't know. What's Goro? Is that a, uh, is that from Mortal Kombat? Is it that guy? The guy with the like four arms, whatever his name is. I think so. Is that who it is? <laughs> That's how I just ran like, wait, is that what I mean? I had to take the comment of the channel. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, man, I would have to say, we got to talk about the lineup first. Um, it was all across Twitter. Best lineup we've seen all season. Um, and, of course, I had to nitpick it. No Hampus and yeah. no Max Jones. And someone on Twitter mentioned that it was not Max Jones in the lineup, possibly because of him getting taken, you know, taking a stick in the face. I mean, no, he came back in that game. But if that's the reason, he must have some serious dental work that had to be done. And <laughs> maybe he wasn't feeling up to the task. But uh, other than that, man, this is a really nice lineup. And they didn't play that at all. I mean, the the, the kill what sank the ship tonight.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think they actually played pretty well, and and I you know this is the first time I think Delorie's been scratched, and probably the first game of the entire season that we haven't had a Grant Delorie Rowney, you know. One of those guys making the fourth line right now. You've got uh, Hein and Steele and Bacchus in this game, so it's a bit of a switch up. And yeah, I think for Max Jones, it, it probably wasn't uh, a healthy scratch. Is maybe you know it's a maintenance day, or he picked up a little bit of a knock or something like that. And then the the big downer here is you know if Hampus Lindholm wasn't on the IR, this is easily the close to the best lineup the Ducks. Could probably ice if Josh Mahara stayed in over over someone like Ben Hutton, which we we know wouldn't have happened. We we know if Hampus Lindholm was healthy, Josh Mahura likely uh, checks out for this game. But you know we've been asking for a lineup like this for a while for them to kind of ice the best players you have. Don't scratch a guy like Danton Heinen when he's he's actually producing. Don't you know scratch the kids, play them, and uh, we got a, a kind of a little bit of a taste of that finally.
0: Well, yeah, and can we can we talk about that for a minute about about Hampus coming back at Mahura being the guy to take out of the lineup? What is it with the NHL? I mean, because I'm assuming that we're in this you know tiny little uh, small club city that we think we're the only ones that have these problems, but this is probably rampant across the NHL. You put in a young kid, looks good when he when he comes in comes into the league. He's a defenseman, uh, your main defender's out, so he gets ice time. And then when your main defender comes back, you take the kid out, not the boat anchor. I, I just I don't understand the mentality behind what goes on with management, especially with our team, because like I said, we're in this tiny, small, small city, small team club. Uh, so we pay attention to every little thing that goes on. Um, <laughs> I just don't get it. It has to be I don't something
1: it. that is more common on more teams. Obviously, we're a bit more in tune to kind of the Ducks' problems and the Ducks' roster issues. But for Josh Mahura, it's been three seasons now where he's played a handful of games, and usually due to injury or due to a trade or for some reason to kind of squeeze his way into the lineup. And then once everybody's back to being healthy 100% and the Ducks can ice their regular guys, he's back down to San Diego. I don't know if that's going to be the case for him this year, but you, you kind of feel like if Hampus Lindholm played right now that whether it's Dallas Aikens or Bob Murray or whoever thinks that Ben Hutton and, and Jacob Larson can do a better job than than Josh Maher, which I I think it's evident they can't. I you know, Josh Maher has produced every time he's come into the lineup and he's been probably a better NHL defenseman every time than than Ben Hutton and Jakob Larson. And I get he, you know, he has a favorable contract in the sense he he's waiver exempt and he's easy to kind of send down to of San course. Diego. And if you were to do that with Hutton you know, or Larson, they have to go through waivers and you potentially lose those guys for nothing. So I like, I get the paper transaction side of it, but at some point, like if you're bringing along young players and you want them to do well and you want to reward them for playing well, like Josh Mahara has to nail down a roster spot. Cause I, I don't think he's necessarily done anything wrong. He definitely hasn't done anything to warrant him being taken out of the lineup, but you just feel like it's inevitable once Hampus Lindholm comes back if everybody else is healthy.
0: When when did, uh, did Hutton become a Duck? Do you remember? I, I, I think it was like five. F- was it during camp or after camp? I'm trying to I remember think that, exactly. I think the
1: news came happened. out just before the season started that he was joining the Ducks on a PTO, and then it took him a few games for, for that to kind of be signed and then for him to... Go through quarantine and train with the team and, and officially play, but it was, I think, just a few few days out from the start of the season.
0: I mean, because, like you said, he's been on he's been in this franchise for seasons now. Not like his first season. This is not Myra's first camp. It's amazing to me they felt the need to go out and get Hutton to slot in in front of a kid like Mara. Like that, those kinds of decisions were just always baffling me. That's kind of where I was going with this and. You look at the kids that have played tonight. I mean, I, I've been dogging on Terry a lot. And it's 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 fun, but also I would love I would love to see that kid break out. I'd love to see him break out and have like a Maxine Comtois season, right? Or even half of that. Just start scoring now and again. Um, again, tonight he looked dangerous, but he, you saw him scratched off and on. Now, I know maybe a guy that's producing um, and then falls off your bench and be like, come on, what's going on? Or, or something like that. Or that. I don't understand the roster mentality, I guess you could say. Do you think we're going to see the same roster on Friday against Colorado? Because I just have the suspicion we're not going
1: Pro- to Yeah, probably shocked. not. Um, I'm surprised they went with the smaller, speedier lineup against a team like St. Louis. Right? Like, St. Louis is a big, heavy team. Taking out Grant and Delorier seems to be... I don't think it's a bad decision. I just think it goes against the grain of what the Ducks usually do, right?
0: Wow, holy shit, Eddie, we played better against
1: (laughs) them? (laughs) When you put more skilled guys out there, you tend to play better. And I I would think that playing against a team like Colorado, it would serve better having guys like Heinen and Steele in the lineup over Grant or Delorier, but we've seen Dallas Aikens time and time again prefer to play those guys in, in big games. So I would imagine one, if not both of those guys are back in. David Backus likely comes out for that game and we'll we'll see somebody scratch.
0: Oh, for who for yeah, Derek Grant. I mean, we
1: you know, like, we're going to get to this Jesus. later on too, but the that article by Eric Stevens where it talks about playing the kids like at this point you're bringing out, you know, a Steele, a Tarria, a Heinen, essentially because he's still pretty young or whoever, Sonny Milano to play Derek Grant or to play Nick Delorier, or you know, even even though I like what David Backus has done to play David Backus, right? Like it goes against what you should be doing right now. And one guy we don't even talk about because he's been injured all year, but Brendan Gooley is still a part of this team and a mm-hmm. guy that eventually is gonna have to work his way back into the lineup. We're talking about Josh Mahura losing his spot to Hutton or Larson. When Brendan Gooley comes back, where does he slot in? And where, you know, does do Hutton and Larson? take his spot too and and they probably do just because again of the contract situation and the fact that the ducks seem to be set on playing those guys in that position
0: no it's true so I want to get to a broader question when we talk about the Stevens article here in a little bit but just speaking of the defense because uh, we're on that topic of conversation now what is your ideal defensive lineup if you had to if you had to put out the six oh, man
1: guys. I, it probably includes Drysdale at this point just to see him um, I feel I I know that's a bit. <laughs> I was yeah. hoping you'd say that. No, I know I was optimistic, would. but you know, obviously, contract wise and 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 even ability wise, you know, Lindholm, Fowler, Manson, they have to be in the lineup. I I think just based off the contract and the amount of money you spent, Kevin Shattenkirk has to be in as well. Um, he hasn't looked you know as bad as he has you know the month prior where he was just. Awful. I think the last couple of games he's improved slightly. Not a lot. He still doesn't look that great. Uh, but then for that bottom pairing, like right now, I would rather Josh Mahura and, and Jamie Drysdale over Ben Hutton and mm. Jakob Larson. Uh, you know, I know that's a lot to throw on Jamie Drysdale's plate, but just as we talked about Trevor Zegers earning a spot on this roster, I think Jamie Drysdale now, you know, nine points in 12 games, uh, AHL rookie of the month, like he deserves couple games to at least just get a shot before he heads back to the OHL so my ideal lineup for that bottom pairing is is a Josh Maher or Jamie Drysdale duo
0: that would be fun to watch I don't I'm not so sure we're going to get a chance to see that uh, do you think you so you actually do think that he should be pulled up and do you think that so one you think you should two do you think the Ducks pull him up before the OHL starts that that's the that's a tough question I think to answer is is I think
1: he deserves it. I think the Ducks would love to give him a shot, but I think there's so many guys fighting for that position. You know, if Lindholm comes back and he's healthy, you know, you've got Josh Mahura, who just based on experience and play is a guy who deserves to be in the lineup over Jamie Drysdale. That's not a slight against Drysdale; it's just the point they're at in their careers at this point, And, and I think Josh Mahura. Deserves to be in over Jamie Drysdale, and and they're not going to kind of move Hutton or Larson out of the lineup. So you have got like seven or eight guys in front of you if you're Drysdale. So at, at the most, it's hey, you know, we're going to give you one game, not as a courtesy, but we're going to give you one game. You know, get your NHL debut, head back to Erie, dominate, come back next year, and you know, fight for a roster spot. That that's the the only way I see him get in. Not as a hey, if you play well, you're going to stick around here for the rest of the year. Just, to, you know, we're going to hand you your NHL debut before you head back type thing.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting if they did that. But it's just not like this franchise to do something like that, right? Um, it would be fun, but uh, I don't see it happening. Um, we got to talk about the, uh, the Getzloff play. Because even his brother liked it. You posted the <laughs> GIF and uh, Chris Getzloff. Decided to to like your tweet because Getzy all of a sudden looked, I don't know. Like up. he was the same guy from 2016. Yeah, dude. Little spin off the boards. Makes that nice feed across to Terry who whiffs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Maxim Comtois decided to stop celebrating and go and shove the puck in the net off of Blue's Defender because he had his hands up. He thought Terry scored. I thought Terry scored. And I was like, oh, I got to go on the show and like totally eat crow on this. But no, that's not what happened. But uh what a play by Getz, man. I just, it was beautiful. So the,
1: the point of Goetz's career where he's at right now is, you know, this is a every now and then type thing from him where he'll pull this, this move out of his his kind of playbook that, you know, is is probably five or, or ten years old at this point that you're, you're not really used to seeing from him every now and then. But he's got that ability, right? And this isn't a play where, you know he needs speed or anything like that. It's just a pure power and skill play just drives from behind the net, spins out to the front. And, and we all know gets off playmaking ability and basically lays it on a, a plate for Troy Terry. All he has to do is tap it into the net. And he shoots it right into Bennington. Uh, lucky, lucky for the ducks. It, it kind of bounces around the crease a bit and come to a, does what he does best and cleans up the mess in front of the net, and grabs his ninth of the year. But, uh, man, you know, Getslaugh. It's always nice every now and then, especially this late in Getzlaff's career, to just see one of those moments, whether it's this typical play here or where, you know, he'll kinda of sling a cross ice pass across to somebody or you know, he'll do a power drive to, to the front of the net. Just you know, the, the vintage Getzlaff we kind of get a glimpse glimpse of every now and then.
0: Oh well, I I gotta say, I hope next game we see Terry and Zegras switch. I want to see Comtois, Getzloff, and Zegres. I think
1: that's what everybody's waiting
0: for at that's, this point. I, I just I want to see that because Comtois on a roll. That guy is just banging home goals, and I feel like a lot of his goals come in from around like the lower half of the offensive zone, from the bottom of the circles in, um, which obviously is where a lot of goals are scored. But what I'm saying is like Zegres is able to get those passes through to a lot of guys who can't seem to bury him. I think that's a perfect opportunity. Uh, to to see that happen. Um, I was just surprised it hasn't happened already, honestly. So hopefully we see that on Friday against the Colorado Island. They're going to need all the offense they can get against that team too, especially playing a back-to-back. So that'd be a really fun Getzloff line always
1: just seems like he kind of gets the leftover pieces thrown with him, right? Like, the fourth line is the fourth line, and it's always going to be the fourth line. And then for Getz, it's always like, okay, you know, Henrik, in the past it was Henrik, Silverberg and Raquel had a line that worked and gelled and went together, and then they had the kids line, and then it was like, okay, who's left? Okay, you're going to play with Getzloff. And and it kind of still feels like that a bit. And, and I think, you know, the fact that Lundestrom and Raquel have now kind of found a, a solid line mate in Trevor Zegras. I, I think he probably stays there for the time being just because they've looked so good. And, and they look good tonight, again. And, and you know, Zegras, uh, you pointed out to this to me uh, before we started the show here, that Trevor Zegras played the most ice time of any Ducks forward tonight. He played over 20 minutes, which, you know, shows you how much they like that line, right? Like, you know, obviously his ice time's been slowly going up every every game now, and he played 17 minutes last game, but he played with Lindstrom and Raquel last game. You know, he kind of got put on that line, and they're like, okay, we're liking what we're seeing, and uh, clearly, even in a losing effort, they liked what they saw from that line tonight and how much they played Trevor Zegers. So I would imagine, you know, at this point in time, Lindstrom, Zegers, and Raquel is the Ducks' first line, just based on the amount they're playing. Uh, on a nightly basis I, I you know as much as i'd love to see him with gets and come cuz i think that that's such an intriguing line to throw out there i can't see them splitting up the, the you know the line they have currently running but they should yeah i, I think max <laughs> and come right should. at the, the front of the bus there and saying they, they hopefully they uh, they split up that line and he gets to play with those guys
0: it would be it would just be the best opportunity for Zegers, obviously, in my opinion, to get to rack up start racking up points, play with a hot hand up there. And I got to say, man, Getzloff looked really good tonight. Aside from just that pass, that guy's still creating space coming off the half wall, exiting the zone. He still gets back defensively. May not have he never had wheels, but <clears throat> I think lately he's looked like he's got some more um, more speed in his step. So it's it's been uh, it's been a good few games. For the ducks and they just can't seem to squeak out the win um, you go back to the vegas game and do these last two games against the blues these are winnable games so i mean everyone's dogging on on anaheim right and i get it like eight game losing streak we already talked about um no one likes to lose but dude the past two games have not felt like we're watching a team that's just on this horrible horrible yeah. The, the thing is, is,
1: is I think if you talk to most Ottawa Senators fans right now, you know they're down in the bottom of the pack with the Ducks and, and the Red Wings being you know one of the, the worst teams in the NHL. But I think most Senators fans would feel like this is a good season. They're happy with the progress this year. Tim Stutzel's come in and looked excellent. Drake Batherson, I think, scored a goal in like eight straight games and got pretty close to. Uh, you know some some elite territory in terms of players uh, that he's getting on that list with guys like Timo Solani and Wayne Gretzky in terms of goal streaks under 21. You know they're looking at progress there from from a lot of young players and, and I think you know you look at Anaheim right now and the, the reason to me this eight game losing streak feels a little bit different than others is because we're seeing progression from guys like Maxim Comtois and Trevor Zegers coming up and you know Isaac Lindstrom playing really well and, and and guys just taking these step fours that we've been waiting for for a while so you know it's an eight game losing streak and it sucks and 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 I think if management was actually behind a rebuild it would it feel a little bit better for everybody rather than you know there's a clear disconnect between what the ducks really are and what Bob Murray thinks they are so there is some negativity there but it it is a bit different I I think than losing streaks of past where it, it it does feel like there's some progression here and, and there is some kind of steps forward to, for this team to eventually get back to a point where, you know, we're having fun watching them and we're, we're talking about winning streaks rather than losing streaks.
0: So I'm, I'm I'm okay with the tank as long as we still have fun. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a, that's a yeah, good. As, as, lo- as
1: long as you still have fun, <laughs> please go and, ahead and tank. And but you can <laughs> see some positives come out of it, right? Like, there's clear progression from young players that bodes well for for the Ducks' future, and I think we're we're seeing that from a f- more than you know just a couple guys. Obviously, you know Zeger's getting his first NHL point. Hopefully, is you know the proverbial catch up bottle for him, and and that he kind of gets going over the next couple games here because he's had his chances for sure. I mean, he could have scored a goal tonight, and he hit the outside of the post on the power play. Uh, you know, Maxim Kuntwal having nine goals and leading the Ducks is is huge for them, and and Isaac Lindström could definitely have more than five on the season and Eric Stevens referenced that in his recent article here where Marc-Andre Fleury has robbed him twice this year and he's had a couple other good chances where I think Aiden Hill robbed him in overtime uh, against the Coyotes so like you know Isaac Lindstrom could just be up there with eight or nine goals which would be unbelievable like even him being at five at this point and having a hat trick is is something I would have never thought he would have been doing so you know that progression itself is enough to get Ducks fans excited. But, of course, it's marred in managerial issues and you know a disconnect and indirection from the front office and poor coaching from Dallas Aikens at times this year. So it, it's like you take some positives and you're immediately slapped in the face with, with the, the abrupt negatives that are surrounding this, this organization right now.
0: Says the guy who put Taimu Solani crossing out his eight in our lower third for the podcast. <laughs> I,
1: it was too good to pass up. Uh, Joseph Roba sent me that on on Twitter in response to our uh, to our tweet about going live tonight, and it was just it's just the perfect slap in the face <laughs> to the organization. You make this video during the playoffs, and and now it just serves a completely different purpose <laughs> to mark mark an eight game losing streak. We have a number nine because Paul Korea also did his.
0: We're not gonna see that. We're I can't do Paul that. like that. We're we're gonna we're I gonna get do to Paul like friend. that. That's yeah. And I I love the chat right now. It's it's filled with our fellow podcast hosts, uh, broke Pete Davidson, ripping on us, rooting for the tank, saying that you don't that you hate Lundestrom. You have no faith. It's very sad. I mean, dude, even Shane says Eddie hates Sweden. Like I love Lundestrom. <laughs> Where is this coming from? <laughs> The amount of hate you get on a nightly basis on our podcast well, they
1: can't—they can't hate it's on my background best. anymore, so they've—they've
0: they've shifted to making things up. So. <laughs> you should not have said that. Do you realize when you say that they can't do something, now the chats will be like, "Let's make fun of Eddie's background." Oh, this going to be—they'll
1: pick something up. <laughs> I'll be too close to the camera, or I mean, my lighting will be too
0: weird, or something. Well, they already said you're too close to the camera. Even yeah.
1: even with that's Steven in here, he's being chirped for his sniffles. And his sneezing. He's not even on the show and he's been <laughs> in the chat for it.
0: Here, we got to show Steven what you do. See, this is when you want to mute the mic, you get the cough. Oh, you're back. Nothing, yeah. No one heard me cough. It's amazing. It's uh, it's wonderful what that button does on the microphone. I don't know how uh, Steven doesn't know how to use it, but we'll see. Maybe he'll learn as the season goes on. We're only halfway through his first season, so maybe he'll pick up some, some, some cues fight, there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, um, do you want? Let's get into the Stevens article. We're about we're about a half yeah. hour in. We're going to hit this. Plus, we got to get to your article, Mr. Mm-hmm. Ryder over here. Um, talk about your favorite player, Adam Henrique, and how how sad you would be if the Ducks ever traded him away. Um, you you hate it so much. You wrote five good places you'd like them to go. So, what do you want to start with first? You want to start with Stevens? You want to start with uh? Let's with start your with Stevens
1: because we were talking a bit about the about the kids and and them needing to play a bit more. And I think it I think it's kind of on par with with the direction our conversation was going here. And and I don't think I've seen Eric Stevens this. I don't want to say confrontational, but this you know kind of openly critical of the Ducks organization and management and, and coaching staff and their kind of usage and development of players. Right. Like I know he has more of a platform to do that now that he's with the athletic, but even, you know, in, in his early days in the athletic, he hasn't uh, been overly critical of the Ducks in, in such a way. And, and, and I think it's warranted a hundred percent. Like I'm not criticizing him for it. I think, you know, good on him for, for calling no. them out. Cause I think everything he says in this article is a hundred percent correct. You know, paraphrasing here but basically saying like you know there's there's no reason Trevor Seger shouldn't be playing more minutes you shouldn't be sheltering him away from key situations in the game you know Isaac Lindstrom taking a step forward this year means you should be playing him more and it's funny you know we this article comes out a couple of days ago and we you look at this game and you know obviously the Ducks didn't read this and aren't listening and basing their decisions off this but it is it is funny you look at this in the fact that you know Zekers played 20 minutes tonight and led all Ducks forwards, and Isaac Linderstrom played you know pr- uh, around 17, 18 minutes tonight and and looked great again, right? So they're playing the kids, but at the same time Max Jones sat for <laughs> for David Backus. and so the, you get you get some good and some bad in that.
0: Well, they said he was in a lot of pain. That's that's yeah. what happened with him. So he was he was in too much pain to play. Uh, what is great about Stephen doing this though? is he did it, but he still did it yeah. nicely, right? Like, he didn't say anything horrible, but I think it's great. Because the Ducks, I, I kind of feel like they secretly or quietly read every bit of any sort of interaction about the team, right? But then they don't do anything about it, except those weird things we got a couple of years ago for, like, they sent <laughs> They sent Jason Mail on what he should be talking well, they, about. They do
1: like, so many weird things. <laughs> they do weird like the, stuff the, Earlier like that, today, their, uh, <laughs> I think it was their game preview article. Uh, they were referencing how Trevor Zegers got put on the taxi squad. And in that article, they said, oh, he might not play tonight. Like, because they're trying to explain away <sighs> a paper transaction. Just say it's a paper transaction. We all know it's a paper transaction and that he's going to play tonight. But they're like, oh, he might not play. Like, what are you trying to do? you're trying to make the fan base hate you more by, by kind of,
0: do you really think that the fan base, like all of them, because a lot of people don't even know what that is. Right. A lot of people don't care. They just want to watch the game. I'm not knocking anybody, but like a paper transaction, like, Oh, what is that? Like, why, why would they have to do that? I get it. But for them to say that, that was kind of like,
1: yeah. Well, why are you hiding away <laughs> from a paper it transaction? Like It makes it, it makes it worse when you say, Oh, he might not play when you know he's going to play. Like, People latched on to that, and were are like, "Okay, Trevor Zegras isn't playing. Here we go." It would make it so much easier to be less backlash if you just said, "Yeah, we put him on the taxi squad," you know, for cap reasons, or if, you know, as a paper transaction to kind of circumvent cap issues. Why, why are you hiding and shying away from that? It's not illegal.
0: Yeah, but this is the same. This is the same club, though, that announces a signing or a contract like three days after it's already known. <laughs> this we're talking about. The same organization that will tweet out their new contract to their new player after everyone in the world already knows everything about it and never talked about it. We've already all talked about it, and the Ducks are like, hey, by the way, we gave Adam Henrique a contract. Somebody,
1: Somebody's <laughs> in the chat, the Michael Walters confirms Murray knows what's said. I would not cite that as a source. <laughs> I would, <laughs> would double-check your sources there before we, we kind of confirm what Murray knows. I'm sure Murray's. I'm sure he is well aware easier. of what is being said. Um, I'm sure he's not, you know, checking Twitter and and fan blogs every now and then. But you know, you you're not in that position if you don't have some self awareness of, of kind of what's being said about the team, uh, you know, on a on a kind of high level, right? So I'm I'm sure he's well aware of what you know the the fan base as a whole. Uh, feels about certain players and about the way things are being managed right now he knows he's on the hot seat uh, whether it's with
0: they clearly listen to our show (laughs) and that's why they don't like us and then they just do what we they don't do what we like so that hence what's happening we
1: need to test that theory theory here just
0: (laughs) (laughs) tonight they played everybody we'd love to play pretty much barring injury we were like that's perfect just just do that (laughs) so what I did like in that Stevens article too, we talked about it earlier, is he was like, even when Lindholm comes back, play Josh Mahara. Yeah. Like just let he's basically saying, This is a lost season. It's what he said. Just have fun. Like you said, let's see development. Let's see progress with this team, progress with these players. Let's see what we got. Because next year's gonna look a whole lot different after the expansion draft and steven mentioned it in the last show and he's for someone who wasn't available for the podcast my god that guy's in our chat and like all over us um and i'm gonna rip on him every chance i get to you know get to see his name pop up but uh <clears throat> said the same thing um what was i getting at see now i lost my train of thought damn it no <laughs> this is where steven got me back no uh what i was saying is like it's already a lost season. Just play what we got. And then what What uh, Steven said last night, you would know better than me because you know more about the drafts and what goes on. Are they pushing the entry draft uh,
1: there, There's year? been talks about doing that um, because of how late the OHL is going to start. And the WHL just started, um, I think it was a couple days ago or last week now. So the time that these guys are going to get and then when the draft is going to be, there's not going to be a lot of time in between to kind of assess these players. So they wanted to move it back and, and get some more viewings in and, and have, you know, team scouting departments look a little bit deeper into some of these players. I, I I, think if you if you don't know who these guys are at this point, even having not seen them play a lot this year, then you're not doing your job as a, as, as a scouting department with, with an NHL organization. I don't think the draft needs to be moved back, but the NHL will capitalize any opportunity they can to to either make money or in, you know increase their presence in, in a normally down time. So I could uh, I could see them pushing it back a bit, but if if they want to start for October next year, there's no point in pushing the draft back. You know, just keep it the same, unless you want to push it back a month to kind of give give a break between. Uh, the expansion draft and in the NHL entry draft. I
0: think Steven said that they would just do the expansion draft this year and do like a double entry oh, draft no, next year. No
1: thanks. I I, <laughs> I don't I don't yeah I, I don't see the benefit to that because not only does that
0: uh, not at the same time yeah. but like a lot. Not only from, does
1: that yeah. completely hamper scouting departments and the fact that now you've got to it's not only scout one group of you know age group of players you've now got to scout another age group of players in the same year at the same time um and then you've got a lot of these kids who will be going into their what would have been their draft plus 1 season which is now again their draft their draft year again where they're going to be looked at and scrutinized and you know could have a down year or whatever after and and that will affect their draft stock. So I, I that would be the the worst possible situation for me is having a a double entry draft if they want to call it that. I I I don't see how that's I don't see how don't that's a win for to. anybody. But the NHL has done some ridiculous things in the past, so that that could be something they would do. I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Well, because I looked it up and it's it was in the uh, Friedman article. It says some teams suggested December. I love the idea of two drafts several days apart in Montreal during June 2022. That would be insane, man. Like
1: that would that be, would be the one we would insane. have to go to because we were going to go to uh, to last year's draft. But if there was a double draft, that's the only way I would ever like a double draft if I was going to it and could
0: see both. But I... well, let's just plan on it. Wherever the 2022 draft is, as long as we don't have a new virus and more lockdowns and all this crazy crap going on. Um, let's do it. We'll go anyway, no matter where. the The top end of that draft is some ridiculous
1: talent. You know, guys like Shane Wright and Brad Lambert, who I know is is uh, Stephen's favorite because his name is Brad Lambert and he's Finnish. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, I know he loves him. But yeah, I mean, you know, in comparison, this year's draft is is okay, uh, but it's sandwiched between you know the 2020 draft, which was just unbelievable, and the 2022 draft, which has you know some exceptional talent in in the top 3 to 5 players you know guy you know Shane Wright is he I think he broke or beat Connor McDavid's um, point totals from his exceptional status season and you know he did that as a 15 16 year old in the OHL right so that that's the type of hype you have around some of these players in the 2022 draft whereas this year it's maybe not the best year to tank there's no you know Dead on number one. There's not even a race where it's like, oh, there's two guys, you know, like uh, an Eichel Matthews or, uh, or not even Eichel McDavid or Matthews and Line A type race. This year it's like, you know, five or six guys could be number one. So it's one of those types of years for the draft.
0: Yeah. I, I just, I just, um, I want to see the Ducks get the lottery balls again, the ping pong balls, and they, and they do it on TV and then, uh, they make a whole thing out of it again. That's that's just that's just what I wanna see. You know all about the prospects of picks. Like you could sit there and just rattle off these names and I'm just like I heard of that guy. I think I heard of that guy. I think I heard of that guy too. I don't know if he's good or not. Where is he from? Like if you said Brand Lambert and I was like, Oh, that's probably some American kid. <laughs> no, he's from Finland. Like <laughs> you know all these different things. I love I love the draft knowledge and like the prospect knowledge stuff, man. I just I need to find room for that so I can like banter back and forth to you on that because you could seriously just talk for twenty minutes about the draft and I'd be like, so who goes? Who do you think is going to be in the top five again? Would you say?
1: <laughs> there's some the names out there this year. It's unreal. Um, Chaz Lucius is is an unreal name. I can't believe like the Just and next year there's a kid named Rutger McGrody. <laughs>
0: Oh, I saw that in chat. I was like, is that
1: real? It's like Max Power uh, from... You know, th- they're both like, Americans, that... so I blame you guys for for this one, but...
0: Eh, whatever. <laughs> Don't be jealous, dude.
1: Imagine a line of uh, Chaz Lucius, Trevor Zegers, and Rutger McGrody. It's just a, an American trio <laughs> in Anaheim with the most ridiculous names ever. I think this is the perfect time to head into a break before we get to the next part of the show here.
0: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff.
1: And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join.
0: Well, before we get to your article, I, this is like a random NHL thing I saw tonight. I put it in our uh, Twitter chat and made me laugh, like laugh pretty hard. Did you end up seeing the clip that I put in there of uh, Tricidal being questioned in I the post game? Yeah, tonight? it was a
1: dumb question.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> the media, the media says. So you guys, should I just play the clip yeah. on air? Because that's he uh, basically. I don't is, even, he, I don't even he, want yeah, to say Yeah, just play to it it's. it's
1: <laughs> I mean, what do you? What answer are you expecting to that type of question? Like, it's one of those questions where, you know, as a player, you just see him. Like, is especially like, why are you asking that? Like, what do you what do you think the answer is going to be? Here
0: it is. I, I have to play it. It's too funny. Uh, speaking of not good enough, your top players didn't produce much of anything in this series. Does it add to the frustration that you guys uh, really didn't uh, hold up your end of the bargain? No, we love that. We love going without a
1: point in, in three days for sure. It's great. Uh, speaking <laughs> It's, it's such a dumb question. Like he's stumbling through that question, like realizing how how stupid of a question it is. Like, you guys really dropped the ball. Thanks, thanks, Toronto media. Like, what do you, you What is that guy even there for? Is he there like to just rub salt in the wound for the Oilers players? And he's just getting something out of it, dude.
0: That's like literally. We used to save clips of this stuff we got to start doing that or anybody in chat or anyone listening send us funny clips you guys hear from around the league because we love doing that and playing these things on air man jay and i found so many over the years but that one it's like they lost three in a row they were shut out twice in three games and they just lost six to one and he's like so are you guys yeah. disappointed <laughs> 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 you guys didn't he even said like you guys didn't hold up your end of the bargain he basically went up there and <laughs> said
1: how do you guys feel about shitting the bed like Shane's putting in the chat, he basically like, <laughs> he said, Do you guys not like scoring? Did you guys even try? <laughs> so you sucked. Is that a thing? Is that normal?
0: <laughs> oh, it's so good, man. That was one of my favorite clips I've heard all season. Let's get to your article, though, man. We're, uh, well, 42 minutes into the show. We got, we got the, the last bit here to take questions and your article. Um, my favorite destination out of all of them that you put in here, though, uh, was obviously the, uh, excuse me the new jersey devils and that's the first we yeah. talk about i i that's mean
1: anytime one. you put together a trade trade rumor or a trade you know discussion article there there's it's always going to spark discussion so i posted this article uh, in the reddit of every team that i had listed in this article knowing full well that most most of it would would get some hate or, or at least generate some discussion so i was surprised with how many people uh, in the New Jersey fan base did not want Adam Henrique to come back, or didn't feel like there was a need for him? Uh, probably because his contract. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they're a team that <laughs> next year with the the money coming off, um, they're they're going to need to hit the cap floor. They're going to be one of those teams that are are again right near the bottom in terms of total cap hit. They've got Gusev coming off, Palmieri's coming off. A few other guys, Ryan Murray's coming off the books, um, so they've got you know a few few deals. I think Zajac's big deal is expiring. You know some of these guys will come back, but a lot of them for less than they're
0: currently making. So I just the the problem I couldn't see uh, the problem I could I could see coming up is the Ducks are just not going to hold on to that yeah. money. That's in your proposed deal, Adam Enrique. Ducks retain two million. Anaheim receives Mikhail Motsev plus a 2021 20, third round pick which is Arizona's pick. I just can't see the Ducks are like, hey, we're finally getting money off the books. Let's just pay a guy not yeah. to be here again. Other than that, not bad. But I think I like the story of him going back. Yeah. To it, it just makes w- sense school. and and everyone and, likes that.
1: Yeah, such a hot. And, team. and you know, he's a familiar face for the organization, not so much the players that are there. Somebody pointed that out to me like, you know, the only guys that are still there that he's played with, there's only maybe like two or three guys from his time when he was with the, the Devils, but as like a fan base and an organizational player that that they remember and they remember fondly. I think Adam Henry kind of fits there. Um, and and the thing for for all these trades, they have retained salary because you know I put this article out right after um, he cleared waivers, and you know the, it kind of became apparent at that point that the only way the Ducks were going to move him is if they retained some money on that contract because there's like, he he almost makes six million dollars. Which is which is unbelievable, mm-hmm. and you know I don't think we give credit enough to just how bad that deal is when you look at it.
0: You scored 26 goals and had 43 he points. He did, last but season. even at
1: that, you know, is that six million dollars worth?
0: I don't have the problem with the six mil; it's the the yeah, longevity the, the, of the contract. That's that's where yeah, it comes the, down the to the
1: term. Is, the term's a lot worse than than the fact. I mean, if he only had two years left. Then, you know, the 5.8 is not as bad, but the fact that he's got, you know, this year plus three more, it it it, it doesn't look mm. too great. Um, and he's not having a great year this year. I mean, he he kind of proved the doubters wrong a little bit in his first game back from, you know, going on waivers and being scratched. He scores in that game, so he kind of kind of proves it wrong a yeah. little bit there. But, you know, he, he would be a good fit for Anaheim. And I think the one thing you have to remember here is, like, you're trading him at almost an absolute low, in value right now. That, and, and that this, These deals that I have in, in this article kind of represent that is You're not trading him as 26 goal score Adam Henrique. You're trading him as slumping, aging veteran who makes $5.8 million for the next three years and just cleared waivers because there's no trade market for his contract. So you, you kind of have to take that into account in, in terms of what you're getting in return.
0: I got. I got to tell you, my favorite part of your article, though, aside from the trades put together, was the comment that said Eddie J equals drunk. Which, if that guy knew you, that's not possible. Like you, you oh, don't get Was that was, there, was a comment that said that? That's news to me. <laughs> yeah, I would... yeah, Devil's fan here. In order for us to give Anaheim Maltev, they need to retain fifty percent of Henrik's salary, and it would and it would be for Maltev straight up no picks. I, I like cat. how he's okay with Henrik from Altsav
1: straight up, but the third-round pick just throws him over, over the edge. Like, the third-round pick is just uh, a big thing. I, I mean, you know, I, I expect that from from, from these articles. Tr- trade articles are the, the biggest bait out there to just get hate because everybody loves their guys more than anybody else, right? You know, if, if you're saying, you know, you're trading Sonny Milano... Or Josh Mahura, I, you know their their league wide value isn't as much as the value we put on them as fans, right? We always overvalue our players. I mean, the the Troy Terry. Can you can you throw your article link in the chat?
0: They're asking for it. Um, I might be able to. Yeah. Also, uh, I was gonna. Uh, now that we're doing this real quick, uh, I think DB Lowry said. Did you guys see the clip on Sportsnet where the anchor said he'd take Matthews over McDavid? Yeah, I would too. You would take just, Matthews just over David? Yeah, he's no, American. <laughs> he's American. I don't think I would ever do that. I don't want. I want the least amount of milk baggers on my team possible. So, it's yeah. kind of worse. I,
1: I was disappointed in Matthews tonight because I have him on my fantasy hockey team, and I saw the Leafs were up six-one. I'm like, oh, he's got to be involved there. Zero points and seven shots on like, goal. Well, <laughs> Jason Spezza had like three points in that game. <laughs> but yeah, wrap, wrapping up the, this you know this article, um, I had to trade you know to the to the Coyotes. That one was probably my favorite and probably the one I I knew that I would receive the most hate for because I there was a player involved for the Coyotes prospect Yan uh, Yannick, who. You know that that Coyotes fans clearly love and and value a lot higher than I did because uh, I got a lot of straight no absolutely no way in hell this guy should be involved in this trade but it was uh, Henrik at 1.5 million retained plus Larson and a third round pick for Jason Demers who's on an expiring 3.5 million dollar contract Jan uh, Yannick, and a 2021 fourth so. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what I I mean, out of all the destinations I had here, which was uh, New Jersey, Ottawa, Minnesota, Florida, and Arizona, I felt like the best fit for Adam Henrique in terms of, you know, team side and player side would be Arizona. You know, you look at the fact that Lawson, when I wrote this article, Lawson Krause was in the top six, had one assist in 15 games, and he's playing in their top six. And Tyler Pitlick had five points in, in 15 games, or five points in 18 games, and was playing in their top six. And outside of Dvorak, Keller, and Garland, and Nick Schmaltz, there's no goal scoring on that team and, and no point producers. Adam Henrik seamlessly fits into that team as a second line center. You can move Nick Schmaltz back to the wing because I think he was rocking a 30, 38% faceoff win percentage at that point in time when I wrote this, too, which is not something ideal from. Who's a guy who's supposed to be your first or second line center? He he just kind of fits that organization well, and in an organization that's dropping a ton of cap space at the end of this year, Antiranta's four and a half I think million dollar deal is gone. Nick yarmelson has gone. Jason Demers is gone. Uh, Alex Goligoski is gone. Uh, there's a few other guys on their roster that that they shed massive salaries for, and and most if not all of them won't be back, especially at those those deals that they had them on before, you know, significantly reduced. So do,
0: do you think he's even moved at all? Let's, let's get to that. Do you think he's going to move at the You know, I
1: honestly would have said at the point when I wrote this that it was inevitable. I just felt like, you know, they, they hadn't played him for, I think, three games. He They had clearly tried to trade him. They had put him on waivers to try and get somebody to take him. And you felt like the next step was, well, they, they're just going to have to retain salary and trade him. But now he's, he's been in the lineup for the next two games. And, you know, his, his name has still kind of been on the list in terms of tradable assets the Ducks have. But that's amongst other names like Heinen and Raquel and, and, and others, right? And, and those are... yeah.
0: And Sylvie. Sylvie's being brought into that discussion, too. And that was one of them that was on the other Stevens article talking about uh, moving the old guys out. Moving the vets out. You didn't say old guys. But moving the vets out, you know, that there's talk about those Silverberg so being a guy on that. On and that and some of too. those are
1: just easier contracts and easier players to move. Like Ricardo Raquel is the easiest guy you have to move despite his struggles this year because that deal is just so good. And the previous production is there, right? And and you could just imagine a team like Toronto or a competitive team saying, you know, if we bring this guy into our fold in our offensive system, we're going to see that player that the Ducks saw when he scored back-to-back 30-goal seasons, right? Like, there is so much promise from, you know, anybody trying to seek out a trade for, for Ricard Raquel, which is why I think the most interest of any Ducks player right now is is around Ricard Raquel. He just he just fits so many players wish, or so many teams wishless at this point in time. And I think Danton Heinen is an easy option because he doesn't make a ton of money and, and the term isn't long. So I think they're and and he's played well this year, right? And, and he fits nicely on it
0: a... when he's been given the opportunity yeah. to play. Yeah, that's that's the thing. the the other The other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, the trade deadline since we've been on that topic now. Um, did you have a chance? Have you been on the show to talk about Jake Burton? I, I don't think I have.
1: I've or maybe I, I think me and Steven chatted about it when it f- like first. Came out, yeah. I think we one the the first kind of talk we did about Vertan and the rumors, it was uh, Stephen and I who were on the show and we chatted about it a bit. But there's been so many more developments since then in terms of like who could be rumored to go back and why the deal isn't getting done, and it's just so ridiculous that this deal.
0: I mean, they're saying it's yeah. like the salary 1.7 mil goes to 3.4 mil, and the Canucks don't want to eat it and then it's believed there are more pieces, another player or draft pick would be, like, really? The to moving parts to, 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 that the Ducks are willing
1: to go through right now to make this deal done, you know, it makes you think that, like, this is all Bob Murray's focusing on right now, is trying to get Jake vertanen in. And and I don't know why you're putting this much focus to bring in, in a player like Jake vertanen you know, especially if it means...
0: It's a change of scenery thing, is like the article said. Like That's what I was reading about on it. And I was like, really? But this guy's never been that's amazing thing. anyway. I, I don't see. Change the, of scenery I don't see the deals point.
1: usually mean like a guy did well somewhere else, went somewhere, didn't play well, and now a change of scenery. You are hoping, okay, he can get back to what he was doing before. The thing is with Jake Vertanen, there's never been a point in time where you are like, where he's been good, you know? Right? There's never really been a time where you are like, oh yeah, he's a top six forward. And when you look where he was drafted, same draft as Nick Ritchie, but I think Vertanen went six overall. In that draft, and it's you like, did. you know, why you why are you seeking it? Why are you pushing so hard to get a player like this? And and the rumor deal that's going on now, I think uh, I put it in our in our chat. It was from Thirty One Thoughts by Elliot Tieford. was or not Elliot Tiffert Elliot Friedman, uh, and he said that the Ducks are grinding away on a Danton Heinen Jake Virtanen deal, and that they might can you know try and get the Canucks to take on. Derrick Grant's contract as is, is a sweetener to get this deal done. And, you know, yeah, it would be nice to kind of shed that that contract, but it's not like it's really hurting the ducks to have Derrick Grant on there. Jesus. And giving up Danton Heinen and potentially a pick to to kind of get that deal done, just to take Grant's contract. I, I you know the Ducks aren't in a position to be making those types of deals. They they need to be selling players for future assets, or if you're going to bring in a, a player, it's it's a guy who's a you know a proven goal scorer that's going to kind of fix the problems you have.
0: Well, I mean, he he did have 18 goals last year, and 18 assists, 36 points in 69 games. He has one point this season in 21 games.
1: Yeah, and and he's being used. So maybe not,
0: maybe not like the worst. It's thing,
1: not the worst deal ever, but. And, and, you know, it's it's a bit dramatic to sit here and, and, and say it is the worst deal ever. But it's just one of those deals where if you're the Ducks, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense why this is kind of the one thing you're focusing on and, and pushing for at this, at this point, right? You know, at this point in time, whether you think Vertanen could be more or not, Jake Vertanen is a fourth-line player who is not generating any mm-hmm. offense this year. One goal in 21 games. Danton Heinen has more production on your team than that right now. I don't know why he would be the guy you'd be giving up. I'm fine with.
0: I mean, Heinen hasn't. I mean, he had one really good season in, in Boston, and then after that, it was he's mediocre, and he's kind of trailed off point wise. I mean, I know he has other aspects to his game. I don't know enough about Vertanen to uh, like his defensive side. I don't know if he's that kind of player, but um, I just. It wouldn't bother me necessarily. I think the only thing that I would be upset about is like this is what we're focusing on rather than trying to get picks. Like we need picks coming in. I mean, that's how yeah. you rebuild, yeah. like, or you're able to like throw massive assets like a Raquel a Silverberg at um, at really good young players. But you kind of just maybe they're waiting for that coming like, when it creeps closer to April 12th for the trade deadline. The, the, the reason
1: this is so frustrating, and uh, DB Lowry kind of nails it in the chat here. Is it's just another, you know, deck shuffling move by Bob Berry. He's just moving around the deck chairs out there, and it's really not doing anything. Like the, he references the Cogliano for sure deal, where it it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't do anything. And even the Nick Richie for Danton Heinen deal, it it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make a change. It's a lateral move. You're just replacing one average player with another, in hopes
0: that. Well, we did. We have less. Penalty box time. Like uh, you know, Heine doesn't sit in the box as much as Nick
1: Ritchie Yeah, but Nick Jake Vertanen does. So. So, <laughs> yeah. he's a big kid too. Right? He, he's right? in that last yeah. draft. So he's in that draft that we were talking about for so long with Nick Ritchie where teams are victim of the kind of big player um you know, focus, the big grinding player who could shoot the puck. That's why the Canucks took Jake Vertan six overall, that's why the Ducks took Nick Ritchie tenth overall and why a player like David Pasternak went, you know, later than both of them. Dylan Larkin went, I think, fifteenth overall in that draft, right? Is is there was still a focus on size. And here's Bob Murray who moved out Nick Ritchie admitting he had made that mistake and is looking to bring in Jake Virtanen, who is arguably the same type of player, in the sense that, you know, he got taken way <laughs> higher than he should have because of the skill set that teams were looking for at that point. And that, that's the most frustrating thing about this is it is just kind of one of those deals where it's a typical Bob Murray deal. He's moving around you know some players he's he's doing the one for one deals It's a lateral move doesn't really change anything and he, he's hoping that out of nowhere this player is just going to all of a sudden take off in their system. It's not like the ducks are you know a dynamic offensive system where you can bring in like like the Leafs right like, uh. like Toronto's a prime example here. Jason Spezza comes into that team. And Jason Spess is a good player, but he's well past his prime. But I think in the 81 games he's played with the Leafs, he's got like 41 points because he's in a system where it just works well. And, and they're such a good team and such a dynamic offensive team that he works there. It's not it's not like if you brought Jake Vertanen into the Leafs, uh, 100% he's going to do better than he does in Anaheim. It's a deal that makes sense other places. I'm not sure it's a deal that Anaheim should be pursuing and putting this much effort behind. Like, why are you grinding away over two weeks now at a deal to get Jake Vertanen when you could be doing something else to improve the team? Because I don't think Jake Vertanen improves the team. If if it turns out it's a Heinan for Vertanen deal where, you know, somehow the Canucks take Derek Grant, you know, maybe, yeah, you're opening a roster spot up for younger players. That's the only positive there. You're, you're,
0: but it's not really driving any sort of change here in the, in the system, for sure. Um, let's let's move on, man. Do you do you want to get? Is, do we have any questions we want to ch- take from chat tonight, or do you uh, you got anything else you want to add before we get to the wrap point? We're at the hour mark on the show. Usually we get to our questions and then uh, call. Them uh, I don't
1: see any now, but if anybody does have any questions, just shoot them in the chat. And uh, while we're wrapping up the show here,
0: we'll give you guys ten seconds, and then Eddie. We'll change the color of his backlighting to green. I can do that. <laughs> <Our> audio <laughs> listeners love this right now, by the way. They totally love this. It's the best. Let's let's talk about uh, the schedule for the next show. Right, We're doing it Saturday. It'll be you and Steven on the podcast on Saturday night. against mm-hmm. the the Colorado Avalanche. Fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it it should be. <clears throat> what is that, Friday night? Uh, it's both. That's oh, back so Friday, Saturday. So it'll okay. just be Saturday. Yeah, it'll just be a Saturday night. You guys get to cover two games. You guys get to cover both Avs games. That's always a Yeah, that's always a prize. A game losing streak, thanks. <laughs> no, we're not going to see it. They're going to win on Friday against the Colorado Lynch. Uh, the one uh, question that's trickled in in this, uh, this chat is from Shaney. He so says, Is there any ghoulie news? Do we know what the hell's I going on with that kid? On him,
1: which uh, is slightly concerning. Oops. I can't remember the prognosis that he had at the beginning of the year, but I didn't think it was this long. Where we're, you know, two months into the season now, we haven't seen him. Uh, I believe I I thought it was a six to eight week time frame. If I remember so he right just way.
0: returned. He appeared in five games with the San Diego Goals during his conditioning, on loan, but failed to register a point. That's the last news that came around. That was three days ago. Oh, so he's played with San Diego. Yeah, he'll need to be removed from the stuff. injured reserve before he's eligible to play, but he could return to Anaheim's lineup as soon as Monday against the Blues. But that was three days ago. So that was on the on the 28th. That was on Sunday.
1: I can't believe that I missed that he played the last five games with the, the goals. I haven't been watching too many of the goals games since Trevor Zegers left, but uh, that is surprising. Well, maybe we'll see him a little bit sooner. Uh, Well, yeah, it
0: just says he appeared in five games with the San Diego Goals during his conditioning loan, but failed to register points. So let's see what his last game was. That's really interesting. I don't think he played tonight, because I
1: was looking at the lineup earlier today, and I'm pretty sure he didn't play. But, you know, for, for me, it'd be interesting to see kind of where he... Where he slots in and, and where if the Ducks even bring him up at this point, like that's not an, an impressive five game stint. And, and not to say he should have five points in five games, but, you know, from a couple people in our chat have, that have been watching the games have said he hasn't looked too great um, since his kind of conditioning stint down there. And when you look at it, Josh Maher is struggling to get into the lineup of guys like Ben Hutton and Jacob Larson when <laughs> Hamza Lindholm's playing and healthy. I, I don't know how Gouley gets in unless he starts playing The well.
0: AHL doesn't track ice time?
1: No. or oh, uh, I don't I Among don't the
0: think goals so. The AHL.com site. He played the 19th, the 20th, the 24th, 26th, and 27th. Those are the only games he's played. And He's even. And he has three shots on goal total and six penalty minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean he's never been a guy who's going to light up the score sheet. But when again, when you have you know Drysdale doing what he's doing down there, it, it, as much as you know that Gooley has more NHL experience than Drysdale right now, it's hard to justify bringing him back in the lineup. And I know it's his first taste of hockey and, and playing this year at all, uh, having been out with injury, but. You know how do you play him over Josh Mahara right now, and how do you, how do you play him over Hamish Lindholm when he comes back? You know, I, I think Josh Mahara has earned that call up that he got, even due to the injury. I think he's earned a roster spot at this point, and it's hard to to look at Gouli and be like, yeah, he, he, you just have to put him back in the lineup. I don't think he's justified that right now. Where, you know, he's a he's a Lindholm type lock where when he's healthy, he's in.
0: So let's move on to the last. We'll take this last question from Shane. It's, uh, <clears throat> was it Shane who asked it or who was it here Dave. putting it in the chat? It was, it was Dave. No, it wasn't Dave. He said, did the, the, the Ducks need to play Miller more? But there was a question about Gibby. It was Lowry. He says, is Gibby's recent struggles this month really as bad as the stats say? It's a good question. Um... I, I mean, I, a lot of it again. We we say this with John Gibson all the time: is it
1: it has to do with the team in front of him and the way they're playing. And and this defense core in front of him is a mess. Uh, I mean, you know, Hutton Larson is a bottom pairing is not ideal. Uh, as much as I've praised Johnny uh this year, and I don't think he's necessarily done bad. He's not a guy you want in your top four. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk hasn't looked great and cam fowler has been i guess the you know kind of the lone bright spot for this the this defense court i know there's a you know there's a, a a significant portion of this fan base that doesn't like cam fowler and and you know i would be on the side that does agree that you know the money he makes probably isn't what he's worth at this point but He's not been bad. Like, he's got 11 points in 22 games, you know, across an entire Uh season. That's, you know, 40-plus points. That's a good year from Cam Fowler. That's a very good year from Cam Fowler. I can't complain with the way he's played. I I think a lot of those points, too, I think at least four or five of them have come on the power play recently. So you you can't really complain with what he's done. Outside of Cam Fowler, though, and I guess outside of the the limited time Josh Mahura has had, nobody has looked good. You know, Kevin Shannonkir is severely underwhelmed that bottom pairing has not looked good and they've struggled Josh Manson when he's been in a lineup has not looked good Hamvis Lindholm has been good but I don't think he's been as good as we've seen him over the last couple of years
0: I think Lindy's having a good year
1: he's having an okay year I mean he you know he's got six six points in eighteen games but the last you know last year he had twenty three and fifty five struggled a bit before that with 28 in 76. You know, he he's a guy who's going to be routinely around 30 points, so it's not a bad year from him. But if I had to say who's been better this year, um, you know, who's been more impactful to the the Ducks lineup between Fowler and Lintholm, I would have to say offensively, Cam
0: I would say Cam.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean Cam still makes mistakes, his his mistakes defensively, the the routine mistakes we're used to from Cam. Um, and, and that contract's always going to be the sticking point for a lot of people. The term and the amount of money he makes is going to be what a lot of people base their kind of decisions and, and their opinions on Cam Fowler off of. But I still think he is a valuable member of this Ducks team. And I think there's, there's players you, you should seek to move over him. Right, like I think Adam Henrique is a guy that you could move before him. I think Silverbrook's a guy you could move him. Obviously, Ricard Raquel's contract is easier to move, and it's one that's going to be enticing to other teams. Like I, I still think Fowler has a valuable role to play in this team, even if he's making more money for longer than we would like.
0: Yeah, and to to speak about Gibby though, he's not having a great year. You see flashes where he's had great games. Um, like tonight though doesn't help them. Three power play goals against, right on. what they had did they even crack twenty shots on goal? The Blues. I don't think so. It, it was not a, a strong 20. night. for Twenty. Them. They, he hasn't been phenomenal. He's had flashes where he's been really good, but yeah. I'm not about to sit here and and uh, and and bash Gibby. That's the last probably the last guy on this team that I would ever say something bad about. Um, he's carried this team through and through for seasons after season now. And the Ducks are literally wasting yeah. his prime. And we've said that before. We don't need to, we don't need to, get, need to get into a good giant conversation. You look at the, the advanced analytics stats on goaltending, it's not really pretty no, Especially after the start I mean, he, he had. He's sitting at a negative goal, goal saved above the average. Save percentage is a little low. He's, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Other than um, the team in front of him is not good. Yeah, so that definitely has contributing factors. And it's to a it. tough time to we play. We haven't seen like the the, the game stealing. It's saves, a tough right? time to
1: play for him, right? Like as much as you know any other player could check out, it's really tough as a starting goaltender and a guy who's you know Miller is not going to play too many games. You know Gibson's going to play almost every game that he can, and the Ducks are going to play him almost every game that he can. And you look at the last five starts five goals against, four goals against, three goals against, four goals against, three goals against, every game is below 900 save percentage, like it's been a rough last five games for John Gibson, after an exceptional start to this season, where he was really the only good player on the Ducks, and he was keeping them in it this year, now it's kind of back down to earth, and
0: I wouldn't blame the guy for checking out, to be honest with you, right, like let me let me ask you this last question to wrap yeah. the show then, because this is a good one right along right along this. One. We'll end the show on this one. Do you think management and the coaching staff have lost the room?
1: Man, I feel like we get this question every year, eh? Dating back to the Randy Carlisle days, has Randy Carlisle lost uh, lost the room? Um, I I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I think there's a lot of kids in this room, so um, I, I don't
0: I, I think. A lot of veterans in this room too that aren't playing while they're getting benched. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't think they've lost the room, but I think the motivation it, it, it's not there. I think this team knows what they are. I think the you know the the voice coming down from management saying we think you should be better is is one that the players look at and say you know kind of how you know how are we supposed to be better? Look at look at the team we have. I think they're a bit more realistic. I mean, again, this is all speculation on my part, but. It's I think it's a lot of the same as is how is how we feel, where, you know, we kinda know what this team is. And this is what we expect from this team. Right. This is not maybe not an eight game losing streak, but being near the bottom of the Western Conference and being near the bottom of the NHL. That's just the reality of how this roster is constructed. But you've got a guy running this team right now who thinks they should be better than they are and is basing his decisions in terms of benching certain players and, and you know, Eventually, player movement and and roster management on his vision that this team is a playoff team or a team that's in in a win now mode. I think that could not be sitting well with a few players, especially some of the veterans, because I think Ryan Getzlaff clearly knows what this team is. I think, you know, David Backus has been around long enough to know what this team is. I'm sure Adam Henrique has been around long enough to know what this team is. And, you know, Getzlaff and Henrique have been around when the Ducks were a good team. They know the difference between a good Anaheim Ducks team and a bad Anaheim Ducks team, and I think they can very well see where, where this team is at right now. So there, there must be some frustration there from them when you, you hear from management that you know they're not giving enough and that this team can be better and that guys have to step it up or they're, they're going to get scratched or they're going to be out. And then the response is, you know, we're going to bring in Jake Vertanen and get rid of Danton Heinen. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I think there is a... There is a... There's something to it. It's been said year after year now for what two, three years that this this team they lost the, the you know the management and the coaching staff have lost the room. I think there is a really strong possibility where the coaching staff probably feels like that, uh, and management probably feels like that. That would make a lot of sense when it comes to the benching. It would make a lot of sense if you want to extrapolate pieces of uh, <laughs> of what Dallas Aikens has said to reporters um you know competition some guys don't like it like you know comments like that And when you see veterans get benched like Henrique um I think it's a strong possibility and I think the reason why we're going to see a lot of these guys get moved at you know the deadline or near I would think it's going to happen again I don't have any inside information like you but all those names don't just pop up Anaheim's a pretty low-key you know not talk about our players uh, like Bob Murray got pissed. What was the deal he was doing with Carolina and it fell through? It was for Justin Yeah, Falk, it was Andre Cashman, Justin right? Falk. And Murray got pissed and the deal fell through because there were people talking about it. Like this, this team does not like people talking negative about them whatsoever. And now you have rumors floating around all over the place about different yep. guys. I, I, I think that where there's smoke, there's fire for sure. Um, that's cliche as hell to say, but it's is not every year we hear about mainstay guys getting moved and getting benched. I think there's a serious issue with this team inside the locker room. And I'm, you know, as much as it hurts these guys, because, you know, that's what they do for a living. You don't want to have to pack up your family and move. I'm excited to see what happens as we, as we inch closer here. So I mean I'm going to lean on the side of it, uh, the things being being sour. In the yeah,
1: I, I think clearly the organization is not happy getting this much attention for the wrong reasons, right? Like when you look at the the worst teams in the league right now, like Detroit and Ottawa aren't getting attention for being bad because they knew they were going to be bad. They never
0: yeah, said they were going to be good. Everybody knew they were
1: going to be bad, <laughs> and you know, like I mentioned earlier on the show, on the Ottawa side of things. Uh, even though they're so bad this year, people are looking at it like it's, it's a positive for them. You know, there's, there's progression from their young players. They don't have a good roster, but they're seeing, you know, some young guys take step forward. And Detroit's supposed to be bad. And, and I think you're, you're getting, with the Ducks now, is, is on par with the media attention that the Vancouver Canucks are getting for being bad. And that the Buffalo Sabres are getting for being bad, where it's pure negative press. And it's like, your team is Mm -hmm. bad, you think they're supposed to be good, but they're not. And now, you know, all these guys are available, and it's a dumpster fire. And, you know, the Ducks are clearly sellers. I think if you went around and asked a lot of, you know, whether it be, you know, executives in this league and said, who do you think are going to be the biggest sellers this year? I'd find anybody hard-pressed to say, you know, anybody other than Anaheim right now in terms of just the sheer amount of players who could be available. Buffalo. Yeah, too. for for Buffalo I think, you know, the big headline of course is going to be Jack Eichel and the fact that he likely could be moved at this point. But when you look at Anaheim, it's like who isn't available. You know, you're not asking who is available, you're asking who isn't available in Anaheim because I think that Gibby Fowler yeah, but, and Lindholm—that's about it—and it. and, you know that 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 and list Zygris, is a lot smaller.
0: Yeah. And the kids, yeah, gonna get yeah the
1: kids. but you've you've yeah. got a lot of players available there that I think would would interest a lot of teams. So all of a sudden, Anaheim's in the press nationally for a negative reason, and I'm sure that doesn't sit well with owners, uh, with the owners. I'm sure that doesn't sit well with Bob Murray. I'm sure that doesn't sit well with the team, and, and it doesn't make for a fun you know atmosphere in the locker room, especially losing eight games a row on top of that.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. But uh, we'll see what happens there. We have some more fun coming on Friday and Saturday. Uh, we'll have the game. Uh, it's like at 5 o'clock, I think, is on Saturday, and a 6 o'clock game on Friday. So early games here coming into the weekend. Eddie and Steven will be on the podcast on Saturday night because it's back to back, so no podcast Friday. So go ahead and tune in on to Twitch. But you'll be on Twitter, right? We'll be, we'll be posting stuff on Twitter for Friday night's game. So I'm sure you'll be active. You guys have nothing to do with Canada <laughs> anyway. It's freezing, snowing.
1: Hopefully we get some action too. Some some Ducks news coming out because something's got to change here. So hopefully, I mean, we've been saying that for, for the last seven or eight shows. But <laughs> you, would, you would think that something's coming down the pipeline
0: soon. At least a Zegers goal. At least a win on Friday. Hopefully get a win on Friday. But thanks everyone for tuning in. And we'll talk to you guys See on Saturday guys. night. Zenni's blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription blocks glasses starting
1: at just $24. Protect your eyes now at zenni.com.